you'll turn over in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We have been on for a number of weeks here looking at seven qualities of maturity that if you will develop these seven qualities, these are not the only seven qualities of maturity, but if you will develop these seven qualities of maturity, you will become more mature very quickly. You will become more reliable and you will attract more mature people to you. These are the people that you need on your team when you're building your team of support team. We started this way back when we were looking at, well, how do, how do I have people in place when I need support? How do I have them there? We've been talking about building your support team and here in the last number of, uh, oh, quite a while, we've been looking at the uh, seven qualities of maturity. We are on number six. We, we had been on number six. That was gratitude. And we spent um, three, four weeks. I forget how many times we, we spent on that one. That is one of the most important qualities. And it's so easy for us to get away from it. But last week we let you know that there is something about gratitude. That when it's present, gratitude is there. When it's absent, gratitude will leave. And we said if you can get this one trait into your spiritual life, it will vaccinate you from ever being ungrateful. And when you really look at what this one word means it will actually keep you out of most every sin that is in the Bible if we can just do this one thing so you can understand this one thing is probably pretty tough but it's a whole lot easier to focus on one or two things if I can just keep these things going then I'll, I'll keep my my life well I'll keep myself mature I'll keep myself going in the right way with God and um, a number of weeks ago, we had uh, touched on this verse, and someone had asked about the word contentment. And so I said, well, well, we'll spend some time on it. And so we're going to do that here today. But last week, we were finishing up some things on gratefulness. We saw the difference between being grateful and ungratefulness. You don't become grateful. You realize that you're in a position to be grateful. That's all the gratefulness is you realize I'm in a position to be grateful. Very often people have done things on your behalf and you were not aware of it. You would have been grateful if you had known, but you just didn't know that someone went to bat for you, somebody did something, something helped you on, on whatever it was. And then all of a sudden you become aware of it, that it didn't just happen, someone helped you. And so you have the opportunity to become grateful. The Word of God makes us aware of the things that God has done for us so that we can be grateful. Sometimes we become aware of what other brothers and sisters have done for us and we can become grateful. Being ungrateful is something that I do become. It's formed by how I view what was done for me and my benefit from it. And we, we looked at sometimes we have done good things for other people. We have helped them. We have done things to, to uh, assist them or whatever. And they, at the time, were grateful. But along the line, they became ungrateful, and it seemed like we hadn't even done that. We looked at a particular story that uh, we had seen that go on with, where the king didn't even recognize the goodness that Jehoiada had done, and eventually ended up killing his, his son, because his son spoke the word of God against him. We, they can become ungrateful. It doesn't mean that you stop doing the things that you're doing because you understand gratefulness. You keep on going, you keep on doing those things, uh, but... It will happen. It happens to God. Have, have there not been Christians that you know that were very grateful the time they got born again, very grateful for the things that God had done for them, and then became ungrateful? When that happens, the enemy is able to get in, and he makes what you once saw valuable and worthwhile as not having any value or being done for an ulterior motive. And you become ungrateful. But here in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read all these scriptures because the the main one we want to get to is here in 11, but we're going to read the things that go on around it. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. That is one of those refrigerator verses. You ought to write that down, put it up in the refrigerator, look at it all the time. Not that I speak in regard to need. How many times do we speak in regard to need? I need a better job. I need a better car. 
I need better kids. I need better neighbors. I need a better grocery store. I need a better price on gas. We're always looking at what we need. And it's very easy for us to speak of what we need very, very naturally. But Paul here tells us, not that I speak in regard to need. It is sometimes very difficult for us not to speak in regard to need because if I don't speak about my need, no one will help me. So I speak about my need. But then I become need conscious. And I'm always vocalizing these things. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. In whatever state. Now the context suggests in abundance and in lack. The context here is suggesting that he has learned that when he has more than enough, he is content. When he has less than enough, he is content. Now does that go against some of your doctrine? What do you mean less than enough? I believe a God who is more than enough. I always have more than enough. Well, then you're better than Paul. Because Paul, at times, had needs. But he said, regardless of whether I have need or whether I have supply, I don't speak out of need. That's not how I talk. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Now, the word here, I have learned... It comes from the Greek word, mantano, and it means to learn, understand, to increase one's knowledge, to learn by inquiry or observation. I'll basically put it to you this way. This is intentional learning. This is not something that is just going to happen to you because you're going through life. This is something that is intentional. I am going to learn how to be content. If you were to go out and to learn how to play the piano, you would have to be intentional. You would have to find someone who could teach you. You would have to have a piano to practice on. You would have to have a space for that piano. You would have to have time in your schedule. You would have to set these things aside. I've got to have these things in place in order for me to learn how to play the piano. If you're going to learn how to play a video game, you would have to set aside time on how to learn it. Of course, they're a lot more complicated than they are. When I was a kid, I didn't play much when I was a kid, but when they were there, and you know, they had the, I think the one that came out when I was a kid was that, um, was it called Kong or something? Two, two paddles that would float on, on either side and the ball was bouncing between and you had to move them up and down. You know, it didn't take any time at all to learn those things. Up, down, up, down. <laughs> that wasn't too much. Now you can learn some of the, the finer things about it. But anymore, the, the games they have out there, it takes a whole lot of time to sit down and learn it. You have to be intentional uh, about the thing. My son was, was uh, getting into them for a while before he went off into the Navy. And he showed me some of the things that were there. I said, oh, I'm not learning how to play any of that. <laughs> I, had, I had no desire to sit down and to learn how to, how to play. Just like when I was growing up, my, my uh, parents tried to get me into some musical instruments, you know, to uh, help you out. I wouldn't sit still enough. They tried the piano, they tried the drums, it doesn't work. So that wasn't intentional about that. You have to be intentional whatever it is that you're going to learn. That's what this word is suggesting. To learn, understand, to increase one's knowledge, to learn by inquiry or observation. So if I see somebody who is content in their life, I'm not content to just sit back and, and watch them. No, I, I want to shadow them. I want to ask them. I saw when this happened that you did, and we asked them questions. I want to know. This is a very intentional way to learn. You've got to get out there and and, and uh, put some effort into it. And I remember the stories. Uh, it's been a while since I heard John talk about this, but John Maxwell would, would talk about when he was first getting to, to learn about leadership in the church, that he wanted to find some people who were um, leaders in the church as far as church leadership was concerned and he wanted to get some time with them and so he would call them up and say hey if you can spend an hour with me and he i will give you i think he, he promised each one of them a hundred dollars or whatever it's all he could he could really do at the time but um 
Uh, and they said, sure, come on over. And he came on down. They, they sat down for an hour, and he had questions with them, and they asked him the questions. And then uh, he said, just about every single time, I want to give them the money. And they said, no, that's all right, just keep it. Because they saw how intensive he was with his learning. He wasn't just wasting their time. He really wanted to learn these things, and he was able to, to learn a lot of those things from leadership that he began to teach, formulate, see in the Word, and teach to other people. I have learned... This is something that he was intentional about. This is something he wasn't content to just sit back on. No, no, no. I've got to I got to find out how do I become content. Now, notice this. When a baby is born, and of course we have the, with the grandchildren, we've, we've seen this firsthand, and you all can think back. How many of you people had to teach or train your children how to cry? Anybody have to do that? No. No, I remember Eric. She brought Eric in one time. <laughs> I did, didn't I? <laughs> he came on in and he was crying. I said, what kind of cry is that? <laughs> and so we worked him a little while and we got him a little bit better. <laughs> but generally, you don't have to do any of that sort of stuff. They, they, they come out knowing how to cry. We come out knowing how to complain how to be discontent. We don't have to be trained to do that. I already know how to be uncontent. It's easy. I can be in any situation at all and I can become uncontent. The trick is to learn how do you become content? How do we get there? See, if you will learn to be content, you will never have a problem with not being grateful, not having gratitude, not having that attitude. In fact, look at most of the sins that are in the Bible. Most of them deal with people not being content with what they have, who they are, what's in the bank, who's around them, what God has done, what God uh, should have done. That discontent so much becomes involved in that. We'll show you more of that at the, at the end here. But I put this in your, your outline for you. Contentment is not a feeling. It is learned. It is not a feeling. Often we think that contentment is a feeling. I need to feel content. I don't feel content about my family. I don't feel content about my job. I don't feel content. And we'll list whatever situation. I don't feel content. It doesn't matter how you feel. You learn how to become content. We get there for the, for the things we have heard, learned, and saw. There is lasting contentment. Or lasting contentment, I'm sorry, is based on what does not change. If you want to have lasting contentment, it's going to be based on things that don't change. Contentment won't be there because of your job, because your job can change. It won't be there because of your bank account, because your bank account can change. It won't be there because of your friends, because your friends can change. It is there for something that is far more stable. Learn to be self-sufficient based on the Word of God in you. You can do that. You can learn how to become content. Now, this word content, we'd like to do a deep dive on words whenever we can. However, there is a problem with this word in doing a deep dive on this word and really getting a feel for what this word means. The word is Antarctic. And it is used one time in the New Testament. Now, sometimes that happens, and all I do is I go over to the Septuagint. Let's see how they use it in the Septuagint. Guess how many times it is used in the Septuagint? One time. And that didn't help shed any light on this at all. So that I went back to try and follow this word through, and some of the things that I have that can really dig through the word, nothing. Nothing on this word at all. But this word is a compound word. It comes from a primary word meaning to be sufficient, to be possessed of sufficient strength, to be strong, to be enough for a thing, hence to defend, ward off, and be satisfied or contend with. And then they just put the word in front. The word that's in front of this is just a word that means yourself, himself, herself. That's all it is. So what it means for myself to be sufficient. It means for myself to to be in possession of sufficient strength. 
It means for myself to be strong. It means for myself to be enough of a thing. And this word is used a few more times so we get a little more of a, of a feel for this one. Now here's something. One of the things I always like to do is when we're, when we're studying something out in the Bible, and I really want to get a handle on it, I want to see what word did the person who wrote it use and what word didn't they? Now, if you were here on Wednesday, we had a real fun time with that, with the word against. But here for this one, I want to look up some of the words that he did not use. In the New Testament, there is a word that is translated sufficient, content, and a few other ways, uh, worthy. It is the word pecanos. It is used, get this, 41 times in the Bible. So here's something that we, we see. We have one word that Paul could have used that is used 41 times in the Bible. And Paul uses a word that is barely used in the Septuagint, which he was very well familiar with. That's the Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament. One time there, and he is the only one who uses it in the New Testament. Why does he pick this word? Now, this word that he did not use, takanos, means, uh, I'll put it here in this one, in Matthew 3.11. I gave you some references in the the script. These are extra ones. Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy. The word there, worthy, is is this word, worthy. When I think of somebody who is worthy, that means that person is sufficient in themselves to be Worthy of whatever honor, worthy of whatever position, worthy of whatever it is that comes on. They are worthy of this thing because of something on the inside of them. Or as we look at it in the, in the Christian circle, I have been made worthy. What Christ did on the inside of me has made me worthy of, of uh, forgiveness of sin. In Matthew twenty-eight twelve, when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. So they are Jews for large. In other words, why they use this for large is because they gave a sum of money that was sufficient. So if somebody wanted to come to you and say, will you do this job for me? Will you cut this lawn, shovel this walk, wash these windows, whatever it might be? Will you do this for me? And they say, I will give you $10. And you look at the lawn and you say, nah. Nope. No, this is not a $10 lawn right there. Now, so, see, this, the amount is not sufficient. So then they up the offer until they get to a place. All right, I'll give you $100 if you will do this. Okay, well, we'll do that. And the reason you, you borrow this is the person who is paying you, it has to be an amount that they feel is worthy of the job or sufficient for them to dish it out and for you to feel like it's worthy of you or sufficient for you to take it on. That's what this word is used here doing. This is not the word he picked. He had this word at his disposal, and Paul has used this word, but he didn't pick it here. In Mark 15, 15, so Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him and, uh, to be crucified. He wanted to gratify the crowd. He wanted to give the crowd what they wanted. Not what they earned, not what they deserved, not what they should have, not what was just. He wanted to gratify the crowd. Second Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency, which is a very similar word. That first word, sufficient, is our word we're looking at here. But our sufficiency, that word means the ability or competency to do a thing, is from God. This word is talking about that you, in yourself, have enough satisfaction or you are receiving enough to warrant doing this particular thing. He does not do that. So look at, let's read this verse again. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. This is not talking about getting the wages right. This is not talking about 
getting something on the inside of me, right? This is about me learning how to do it. Because I just look on, well, if I get my uh, happiness, if I get my joy up, if I get my peace up, then I'll be okay and do it. No, it has to be based on something else. I learned how to do this. Now, every single person in this room has a skill, some kind of thing that you can do better than anyone else. It might be with numbers. It might be with with um, uh, organization. It might be with a particular uh, craftsman type of a skill. It could be any type, type of thing, but you put some time into it. You focused on it. You got yourself to where you were comfortable with that. He says, I have learned in whatever state that I am in to be content, regardless of whether there's an abundance, regardless of what's going on. Now, what is it that we know the devil wants to steal things from you? What is it the devil wants to steal from believers? We've talked about this before. The parable of the sower tells you that. The devil wants to steal, steal what? The seed. He wants to steal, steal the seed. We've got to get that seed out from you. That seed that's on the inside of you is what will grow up and help you to become content. He knows, no, we can't have that going on in you. He's got to get the seed. He's going to do this three different ways. First off, he's going to alter its meaning. That's one of the things he wants to do. He wants to alter the meaning of the word that you have. Secondly, he wants to change your beliefs. And third, he wants to lessen its importance. These are the things he wants to try and do. If he can, if he can alter its meaning, then you begin to do something that's not really scripture. And it won't work, and it won't bring the right satisfaction, so you stop, you quit. He wants to change your belief. Change your belief in that. Well, do you really believe that God really said this? Or he wants to lessen its importance? It's not real important that what to do all that. It's not so, so important. Now, if you all are, uh, been around, uh, been on our, our text list this week, we sent you a little message. You know, um, I, I know Brother, Brother Creflo Dollar. I have a tough some things that kind of rock some people in the in the uh, in the world. I still like Brother Truffle Dollar. I still listen to his stuff. I still I still will be putting some video teaching out there for you to listen. But no matter who it is, I put up there for you to listen to. I've screened every one of them out. I don't try and screen them all out to get everything uh, that's uh, wrong or right or something like that. I find what does our church need? How is it going to minister to the people that are here? Are there things? that would be a surprise to them that they don't know and I say oh, there's all kinds of things that I do to try and filter uh, this out uh, tomorrow's uh, video teaching that we have shows up on Facebook if you're on the text list uh, it'll come to you on that uh, Brother Jesse addressed this I thought he addressed it very very well so I just uh, will, will let him do that and then has a wonderful message about that afterwards but I listened to the things that Brother Greg Kreffler was teaching how many have not heard anything Brother Kreffler has taught on, on tithing? Okay, so the rest of you have heard it. Um, I listened to it because, you know, I, I need to listen to these things so I know what's, what's out there. And um, after getting through, I, I got through one completely and partially on the, on the second one. After getting through, I'm seeing something that is missing here. And uh, Brother Kreffler has been teaching about grace for a very long time, years. Like most of the time, he goes out anywhere and teaches someone something special. So someplace it's usually along the areas of grace and things like that. And it's, I haven't had any problem with anything he's been teaching. That's probably been very, very good. It goes in line with how I understand things, and has taught some new things for me that I thoroughly enjoyed. But in what he was teaching people about the law, he was teaching people tithing was of the law, and therefore the, it's not for us, and it's not a New Testament concept, and. Uh, Therefore, you know, you don't need to do that. Just basically, you can do whatever's in your spirit to do. And here's the problem with that teaching. This is where you got to be careful you don't get your word watered down. The number one way that we get blessed in the Word of God, number one way that you get blessed in the Word of God, is not by giving. The number one way that you get blessed in the Word of God, and this is all through it, through obedience. That is the number one way that you will be, be blessed. It is that way in the Old Testament, that way in the New Testament. You obey what God says. I listened to, to the things he was teaching. Here's the problem that I have with it. And if you don't have a problem with it, you, you can go with what your spirit will tell you on this. But 
This is what I see. There's no standard. The standard has been removed. And he kind of spread it out into some other things. And uh, if you listen to Brother Jesse tomorrow, he'll say, well, if you don't think the law is removed, just go out and try and cheat on your wife. You'll find out the law is still there. <laughs> that was a good example. That's kind of fun. But there's a standard that you need to be come up to. Now, what he did say that is very true is that people that are teaching folks to give at a guilt and condemnation, that is wrong. And I, I totally agree with him with that. That is wrong. We're not here to, to be doing that. We're not here to give out a guilt and condemnation. I'm not here to give to avoid a curse. I'm giving to be obedient to God. So we don't teach you here to be fearful or to give out of fear or, or things like that. But um, some places, I guess, do. And that's something he was coming against. And I think that's, you know, my hat's off to him. That's, that's not the way we're supposed to go. And I don't, you don't want to see Christians going in that way. So... Um, this is one of the ways that the devil will try and, and steal the word if he tries to corrupt it, change it, or pull it out. You need to have a standard. There needs to be something that God has said. Thou shalt do what? There needs to be a standard. God says, I don't want you doing that. And some of those standards, he will witness to in the inside. That's How come so-and-so can do that and I can't? Because they're not at your level and you're not at theirs. Anyway, that's all we need to say on those particular things. We don't give based on need. We give because God asks us to. This is what Paul is, is saying here in this verse. Let's read it again. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. He's not going to speak according to need. He's going to speak according to contentment. That's a hard thing to do. You listen to yourself this week as you go through the week. You begin to listen. How much am I speaking out of need? Oh, I really need... Now, don't get in guilt and condemnation because you say yet. <laughs> that's not, not going to help you out there at all. What you got to do is say, wait a minute. Am I, why am I saying that? What is, what is my purpose in saying it this way? Find out what that is. See if it's something you need to change. Now he goes on here. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. In other words, I have learned to be in a spot. Let's, let's uh, look at that definition on here again. Went too far past it. Sufficient for oneself, strong enough or possessing enough to need no aid or support, independent of external circumstances. That comes from Thayer. Sufficient for oneself, strong enough or possessing enough to need no aid or support. How many times can you say that you have gone about doing something for God, for your job, for your family, for wherever, and you need no aid? You can look at well, I have, what I have is sufficient. Now, I don't mean that you have to do everything. I mean, if you need to get something done, well, if I need this done, there's an extra pair of hands. A need consciousness says, Oh, woe is me. I don't have the person I need to help me. I don't know. A person who's talking like, like Paul is saying, he's learned to be content. Well, God, we need to get this done. I need somebody else. You'll, you can either send them along. You can point out to me where they are. I'll go get them. But you see, it changes the way that you talk. And until that time, you just sit on back and you're just, well, there's an urgent. Oh, I need to get this done now. Why? You learn to be content. You just learn to be content. Well, God, I, you know, I need this in order to accomplish this. I thank you that you have supplied it. I thank you that you've done it. Abraham didn't go on Mount Moriah and start complaining, oh, I need this, I need that, I need whatever. He said, the Lord will provide. And what happened? The Lord provided. Provided that time a ram, but a lamb would be provided later on. we got to look at it more that way. That's what Paul was doing. Boy, I sure could use that offering from the Philippians right now that's the thought that come into his head but he says uh uh nope I have what I need and he teaches himself he trains himself to do this let's go on here in verse 12 I know how to be abased and I know how to abound now that can be bad words bad words for some people 
What do you mean be a babe? My God has taught me to prosper. My God has taught me to be the head and not the tail. My God, and we, we say all these things. Yeah, have you ever not had something that you needed? I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Well, you've learned to be hungry. Sometimes we get to that feeling of hunger. Oh, man, I'm hungry. Can you think of the last time that you were really famished, really, really hungry? Yesterday, right? Oh, you were hungry. You're so, oh, I'm so hungry. I feel like I'm going to be, I'm going to be faint. And your body is telling you, I need food. You'll say this. I need, I need to get some food. Isn't that some of the words that you would say? And then somebody is next to you and said, boy, I could really go for a burger. Oh, oh, that would hit the spot. Oh, yeah. Let's go out there and let's go ahead. Let's get one of those burgers. And we just want to, oh, we want to do this. And now all I can think about is, I got to get a burger. Oh, I got to get a burger. Oh, I got to have this thing. And you see, I'm in that need area. I'm not content with where I'm at. I'm not learning to be content. What we ought to do is take that opportunity. Oh, wait a minute. Here's an opportunity. I'm hungry. I'm a base. Oh, my God. I'm just going to enjoy this for a while. No, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I mean, I've actually done this myself. Brother Hagen, he would teach us, you know, live a faster life. And so I would take time to say, well, I'm hungry. Oh, good. I'm just going to stay here and be hungry for a little bit. I'll take care of it a little while. And I just don't get that, that urgency. My wife will tell you, you don't hear me too many times. Oh, I'm going to get ill. I'm just going to happen to me. Uh-uh. Because I used every single one of those opportunities. I took what Paul said literally. I used every one of those opportunities. Oh, I'm hungry right now. Oh, this is good. You know, you, you know, I like to go out and run. I trained myself on water. Because, you know, our cross country coach did that. Water was bad. Water is weakness. There was. That's how they, they, would, they would teach us. Uh, you don't need to drink no water before you get on that race. And you better not be guzzling water down when you get done. It's supposed to be under control in those, those kind of things. So I go out and I go out now. I don't take a drink before. It's hot. I'm running for two hours. I don't take anything to, along with me to drink. Are you thirsty? Yeah. Maybe. I just don't think of it. See, I train myself. I look for every opportunity I can do to train myself to be content. So wherever I'm at, I'm at, whether I'm thirsty, whether I'm hungry, whether I don't have money, whether I do have money. Whatever it might be, I learn, no, I'm going to be content. I'm going to learn to be content. And it's an ongoing thing that I'll keep, keep learning because I think there's more levels of it that we can get to. But this is what you have to do. He says, I learned. This is an intentional learning. You've got to apply yourself. It is not going to just happen to you because you want it to. I know how to be a base. Do you know how to go without? Now, if you read the other passage where Paul talks about things he wanted without, how long was he floating in the, in the deep? How many of you are expecting God to show up after the first day? And if God didn't show up, you're mad. How come you didn't show up? How come I'm still floating around here in the water? How come you didn't deliver me from that scourging? How come I got beat up with the boards? How come all this stuff? How come you didn't deliver me from this? And when Paul gives that whole list, I think it's in Corinthians, all the things that he had uh, gone through, he said, out of them all, my God has delivered me. Wow. You see, he learned how to be content. He says, I know how to do without. I know how to do without. Some of us don't know how to do without at all. I know how to do without. I know how to have a whole lot. Some people don't know how to have, have a whole lot. What happens to lottery winners who win the lottery? They don't know how to be content with a whole lot. How many sports personalities have gotten millions of dollars in contracts and are broke? Because they didn't know how to handle it when they had a whole lot. Paul says, I know how to do without and I know how to abound. No matter what state. He says, everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to, look at this, suffer need he says I learned how to suffer need I learned it 
This is something we need to learn. If I can get in and learn these things to the degree that Paul did, I will change my life. I have learned. He's learned how to how to live humbly, how to be in a low state, how to how when things are difficult, how when things are easy. A lot of times when we're going through some difficult times, if things would just get easier, I know I'd be happy. And then they got easier. And we still weren't happy. I know how to abound. When uh, Rotherham puts it this way, how to have more than enough. I know how to abound. Phillips puts it this way, when things are prosperous. Well, I have not enough money. I have too much money. I have no friends. I have too many bad friends. I have no work. I have too much work. It's like some people, you know, they, if they have work at their job, there's too much work. Oh, there's too much work. Every time I go in there, they want me for extra time. Well, there's not enough work. Not enough work. I go in there and they say, well, we don't really need you today. And if you can learn how to be content in whatever state that you're in, I guarantee you, your employer will want you around. I learned that early on. And uh, when I was working at Ken's Pizza, I'd show up early. I was supposed to be on at 4 o'clock. If I was supposed to be on at 5 o'clock at night, I'd come in 15 minutes early, 20 minutes early, sometimes 30 minutes early. I'd bring some books, read them for school, sit them down there. So I, I know I'm early. I just come on down here. Hardly ever did they let me sit down. Oh, is, can you clock in early? We could sure use you right now. And so I got some extra time. You know, kid going to college, extra time, this, is, this helps out. And when they came to the point, you know, if I was on a 5 to 8, sometimes in the restaurant business, they give you a 5 to 8 schedule. You got 3 hours, maybe it was 4 to 8, maybe it was 5 to 9, six, 3, 4 hours of work that you had in there. But, you know, you, you took it. You, you, you needed to work until we'd gone over there. And now I tell you this, they never sent me home early. At 8 o'clock, they'd send somebody else home. They wouldn't send me home. I'd watch them. I didn't see them do this. I even one time even asked them. Um, they were supposed to get off. Do you want to, you want to keep them? Or... No, 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 no. We need to keep you around. And they just would, would keep me around. And then pretty soon, when they had hours that they were going on, instead of scheduling me for short hours, can you close? Yeah, I can close. And then pretty soon, I had all the hours that I, that I wanted. I told them I can work this many hours, and they, you know, if I told them I can work 30 hours in the week, uh, can you do 33? Can you do 34? They, they always push for, for more. I saw other people there, they didn't have the same contented attitude. They were always grumbling and complaining. They didn't uh, go after the work, and uh, they, were, they would be sent home early. So the shift was slow. You know what? We don't really need you. Go on home. So they go on home, they clock out an hour early, and they miss all that. you got to learn how to be content. Well, they're working me too hard. you got to learn how to be content. Learn how to be content with someone working you too hard. Learn how to be content with, not, with someone not paying you what you think you're worth. Learn how to be content when someone's going to pay you more than you're worth. Learn how to be content. That's what we got to do. That's what he's teaching you to do. Whether you uh, are suffering lack or suffering abundance, learn how to be content. It's not going to happen. Just because you wanted to. It's not going to happen just because it's in the Word of God. You've got to do something. He says, everywhere and in all things, I have learned. I have learned. We're going after this. Now, this, the way this is put in the Greek, it's actually put in such a way that it seems like once you learn this, you're done, you're in. Once you learn it. How many people have learned how to ride a bike? Anybody not know how to ride a bike? All right. If you don't know how to ride a bike, then you're not going to hop up on one and go. But you cannot ride a bike. If you learn how to ride a bike, you can hop up on that bike a year, two years, three years, hop up on that bike. How many of y'all know? You don't know how to do it. You just get on that bike and you go. It's just because you learned it. Once you learn how to do this. Now, you can, you can be riding a bike. You can ride a bike and not fall over, and you can also ride a bike. Those guys are doing the Tour de France. I mean, those guys, they know how to ride a bike. 
there's more nuances, there's more things you can do about that. You may not be up to the Tour de France level, but you know how to ride a bike. You haven't forgotten it. But you still got to apply it. You still got to put all those things in. If you want to be a Tour de France guy and, and do those, those type of uh, races, then you got to be out there practicing all the time. You got to be out there riding. You got to put it to put it to work. So don't don't you think? Well, I learned this. I guess we're done. I know how to be a base, and I know how to abound. Most people feel like they know how to abound, and they do not want to learn how to be a base. No, I don't want to learn that one, God. Uh, teach me more about how to um, walk right when I have too much. I like that stuff. I mean, let me learn about how to walk with, with too much. I don't like not enough. I like too much. No, you got to learn both. If you can't learn both, you haven't learned either. Because what you're, all you learned is, as long as situations are the way that I want them, I'll be happy. I'll be content. What Paul is saying here, it doesn't matter what the situation is. I have learned how to be content no matter what. And he's been in some tough spots. He's been in places where people were unjust. They unjustly accused him. They unjustly tried him. They unjustly beat him. Riots. All, all this stuff would come on. And he's still content. And one time, he tells us, you know, I even talk to God, take this, uh, this uh, thorn away. The messenger from Satan that buffets me, not sickness and disease. He didn't say that. He said this messenger from Satan that buffets me. Take this away. And God says, uh-uh, my grace is sufficient for you. You get that grace working on the inside of you, you'll be content. Paul, you need to learn how to be content. He says, All right, we're going to learn how to be content. Houston. So when you have an opportunity where something is not quite right, something is not up to par, glory to God, I get to learn how to be a base. This is great. I'm going to look forward to this. When you have an opportunity where abundance comes in, glory to God, I'm going to look at how to, how to do this with abundance. How to not become dependent on the abundance, but to stay content in my God. you got to learn it. It's not going to come easy. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we all like that verse, don't we? Oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we're facing a tough day. We're facing a tough time. And we pull that verse right out of the context. And we just start quoting this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But did you do what was in the verses before? Have you learned how to be content in all things? Have you learned how to be content when things are great? Have you learned how to be content when things are not? If you have not learned that, don't be pulling that verse out now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because you don't know how Christ strengthens you yet. Because in places where you have not had, Christ has, has not been able to strengthen you. You're over there, oh, woe is me. Oh, I don't have any friends. Oh, I don't have any money. Oh, I don't have a good car. Oh, I don't have another good job. Well, we complain. Because I have not learned how to be content. I don't know how to do it. Brother Hagin would share this story with us. He said he, when he was pastoring the church, and he said in one time he was in, he was pastoring the church, and it was a really messed up church. Y'all don't know what that's like, but this is a real, <laughs> it's a real messed up church. And they had a lot of problems. And he would come up to the other pastors and they would be in the group, you know, and they, they'd say, hey, how you doing? As he's walking on by, hey, how you doing? Uh, he said, couldn't be better. And then he'd just go on. And then one of the pastors, he said, who knew some of the situations that were in his church because he was a busybody, because he poked his nose where it didn't belong. And he would tell the group, he says, I know, I know he's going through some stuff. I know his church is giving him some trouble in this area. I know it. But every time I saw him, smiling, happy. How are things going? Couldn't be better. Because <laughs> he learned how to be content. And he walked on that way. He said eventually, one by one, those pastors came up to him and they said, How do you do this? How do you walk around like you have a care in the world when you know you have some? 
Yeah, you want to do all things through Christ who strengthens me? There's the training ground. There's the training ground. I want to go and ride in the Tour de France. What are you doing to get ready? I'm not doing any riding to get on my bike and go. You want to be ready for this verse when you need to pull it out? Do the things that are behind you. Learn how to do this when things are good and things are not so good. When you got lots of friends, when you got no friends. Learn how to do it. This word here, I can do, means ability and strength. To be strong, to prevail. It indicates a more forceful strength or ability than dunamai. We all know dunamai, right? And James 5, 6 is rendered availeth much. It means to avail, can do, be good, might, prevail, be of strength, be whole. Some of the places you'll see this in Matthew 8, 28. Yeah, these, uh, these are the places where I guess I guess I have the two extra verses. When he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, uh, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fair, so that no one could pass that way. That's where that word is used. No one had the ability, had the strength to pass that way because of these two guys. Matthew 26, 40, Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Couldn't do it? Galatians 5 and 6 and 6, 15 is almost exactly the same. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Verse 15 of chapter 6, as in the end, but a new creation. James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When he says, I can do, that's what this word is right here, Acts 20, 25 and 7. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood about him and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not we're not familiar with people not being able to prove things, are we? People making us saying things and not being able to prove them. That's what Paul was going through here. The word strength in there is then dunamo, which is the strength and form of dunamo, with the prefix that we put on, to empower, enable, increase in strength. I can do. I can do. I have the ability and the strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If that's going to happen, you have to know how Christ strengthens you. You know how, need to know how that strength comes in. Now, we want to learn about this contentedness. How am I supposed to be learning contentedness? What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to go about doing it? Now, I made this note, it's not in yours. But it's not what you have that determines your ability, but what you come to know. You've got to come to know some things. You've got to learn some things. I've got to learn this ability. Not what you have that's going to get you to this, to this place of being content. It's what you come to know. You've got to learn contentedness. Now, I'll give you a couple of examples here. Adam and Eve were content in the garden, were they not? Didn't have to farm anything. All the food was there. Peaceful place. Things were pretty good. They were content until they learned to be discontent. They were content until someone came along and taught them to be discontent. As far as they've been concerned, this is great. We can eat from any tree in the garden. You gotta stay away from that one. See a standard, got to put a standard. There's the standard. And it was just one tree we man couldn't live up to it. Well the enemy came in through the serpent. The serpent came and began to converse. Has God really said? God knows it's a day that you eat of it. You will be as God, knowing both good and evil. They became discontent. All right, well, we've been content with our state, but now we're not. How many of you have ever had a job and you were content, you, could, you went to work, they were going to pay you X number of dollars an hour, 
and you were content. You thought, this is great. This is more money than I was getting before. Things are going fine. And then you're talking to somebody at the lunch table, and they say, yeah, I'm making this, and that's $5 more an hour than you're making. How many of you instantly became discontent? You were content. You were grateful all the way up until you heard that. And you learned, I should be discontent. I'm worth more than they are. Abraham was content with God's promise and went on a long journey until his thoughts pointed out that he should be discontent. What can God give me seeing as I go childish is what he said. Israel was content with manna until they focused on it always being the same day after day after day. They were content with it until they came to realize it's the same thing every day. When they had nothing, and this thing fell. Oh, this is a blessing of God. Oh, I am so glad for the things that God... The next day they go, oh, this is such a blessing of God. They liked it so much they were taking extra. That didn't work out so well for them. The events that were going on around them, the circumstances, caused them to refocus. They became discontent with a blessing from God. The Jews were content with Jesus' ministry of teaching and healing until a week after the triumphal entry. Jesus comes to the temple, triumphal entry. What are they doing? Hosanna! Hosanna! Glory to God in the highest. They're laying down their coats. They're all thrilled. This is great. Jesus is here. And a week later, crucify him. Same with many of the people that Paul ministered to. Some were so happy that Paul and Barnabas in their midst and the miracles they were doing that they were going to sacrifice to them as gods. I think that was Acts 14. A short time later, some people, some Jewish people came in, spread some discontent, and now they're ready to kill them. That's how fast people can change. So you can learn to be content with what you have or listen to those people, thoughts, people that are around you are going to say some things you're going to have some thoughts that are going to come to your mind or just natural things that are around you if you hear on Wednesday we talked about that very same thing people thoughts and natural things spiritual warfare is in people thoughts and natural things if that's new to you go back to Wednesday night we laid it all out to you there spiritual warfare is not clanging swords with the devil spiritual warfare as we see it in the word of God and we gave you four examples that we know Without a doubt, without a doubt, they were spiritual battles. And no one was clanging swords of the devil or his angels. They fought people, fought situations. That's, okay. That's where it comes out. That's why Paul had to say, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, because the spiritual battle is always going to materialize in flesh and blood. If you weren't there on, on Wednesday, you can go up on the podcast, go on Facebook, see the video, whatever you want to do. But make sure you learn those things. Spiritual warfare, it's there. The people will come along. They'll point out reasons for you to be discontent. The enemy will sow thoughts in your head, reasons for being discontent. Situations will come up that make you feel inadequate, that will cause you to have an opportunity to become discontent. You've got to learn how to not give in. And the way that you learn is through every time and situation. So you look for every single opportunity that you have to teach your body. Am I being without? Glory to God, I am without. Let's just park you here for a little while. You just want to be in this spot here without for a little bit. I'm going to be happy being here without. Well, you don't know about my blood sugar. No, I don't. I'm not telling you that if you have blood sugar problems, you're really just... Uh, I don't have blood sugar problems. I have zero blood sugar problems. Zero. I can just decide. I'm not going to eat. I can just decide it. I know that... Don't hate me. I sometimes just go, you know, I, don't, I just don't feel like eating. I might be hungry. I just don't feel like eating. And I just don't eat. 
my body does not have any negative I'm not telling you that if your body does have some negative things that you aren't supposed to be aware of what's going on and help take care of that God's giving you some wisdom and things but you can still find areas where you don't have stuff things are missing there's a lack that is there I take it in the areas where I can find find lack I take it in the areas where I can find abundance and when I'm in those areas I'm learning how to abound I'm learning how to feel content I'm learning how to not look at my situation and say my God has let me down how people have let me down I'm constantly looking at this all right well we've got a situation here and uh, this is what we're what we're up against you got to learn it you got to train yourself you got to be out there doing it now this doesn't mean you can't strive for more you can strive for more Israel didn't just become discontent. Understand that. Israel did not just become discontent. They despised what God had blessed them with. That's why they got some of the things they walked into. But Paul, in the same book, Philippians 3 and verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You can still press on and be content. You can be content in your job and look toward a promotion. You can do that. But you can't look toward promotions of God if I don't get that promotion. Such and such. I'm just not going to be happy. If I don't get that promotion, I just know your word's not true. You're not going to get there doing that. The disciples pressed in on their, on their failures in getting people healed so they can get more people healed. Understand that there is more than we can walk in and pressing on is not the same as coveting. It's not the same as coveting what we don't walk in and rejecting as insufficient what we do. You can press on for more and not covet what you don't walk in and not reject as insufficient what you do walk in. Every single person here, you walk in some skills, you walk in some abilities, God has given you some knowledge, He's given you some, some things. Don't ever look at what you walk in as insufficient. You look at, God, this is what I have. All right, put it to work. The man who received the talent and hit it in the ground, he saw what he had as insufficient. So, I have left you with this question last week too. What comes first? Gratitude or contentedness? Because I'm grateful because I'm content. But I'm content because I'm grateful. Isn't that right? So what came first? If I'm grateful for what comes to me, I can receive the contentedness for what I have. You become if you keep yourself in the area of being grateful for what comes to you you will receive the contentedness that comes along with you as soon as you become ungrateful for whatever it is that you have received as soon as you become ungrateful I'm not grateful for my parents I'm not grateful for my brothers and sisters I'm not grateful for my job I'm not grateful for I see problems with it the enemy has come in through other people through thoughts through situations natural things he has sown the thought that what you have is insufficient what you have is enough to part and I begin to become ungrateful for it as soon as I do that the contentedness that I receive will go out the way out the window when you are grateful for what God has given you you will receive a contentedness but that contentedness will be released as soon as you let go of the gratefulness as soon as you become ungrateful you will spiral downward most people we look at in the Bible were grateful at first but somewhere they became discontent for what they had somewhere they did we've looked at several examples I wrote it down this way it's not in your outline you can write this down if you want gratefulness is my attitude in receiving gratefulness is my attitude in receiving contentedness is my attitude in maintaining gratefulness is my attitude in receiving contentedness 
my attitude and maintain The devil knows he wants to get you ungrateful for the things that God has given you. All he has to do is show that discontent. You can get that discontent in you. But here's the, here's the thing. This is what you need to do. You want to focus on one or two things. That's what you focus on. Make sure whatever you've got, you stay content. You focus on it. That you recognize when the enemy comes in and has told you to get content. This is not enough. God has not done enough for you here. This is inadequate. You don't have enough friends. You don't have enough good friends. This is, this is not a part. This you need more of. This you need better. It's going to get you just a little bit. All you have to do is get a little bit of discontentedness in you and gratefulness is going to come out. And then more discontentedness comes in. And pretty soon, what you were so grateful for before, you turn out. But they were so grateful for in the wilderness this manna that came. They were overjoyed. They couldn't wait to get up in the morning and collect some more. This is our food for the day. This is fantastic. God is feeding us from the sky. They then came out and said, We despise this manna. And they became discontent with it. They became ungrateful. That's how you can lose the things of that in the devil knows the power of contentedness and the power of gratefulness. He knows his power. How is it that the devil felt? He became discontent with what was going on there. He was no longer grateful for how God had made him. I will ascend my son. By thy will, but he said, I will be ascend. The enemy wants to sow discontentedness with you, make you ungrateful for the people that are in your life, for help that's in your life, for the word that you have. If you've got word on the inside, he's going to begin to sow some things. That word really done you any good? Then make you discontent. You become ungrateful and just follow down. Don't let it happen. Contentedness, if you can keep yourself in the area of contentedness with everything that's going on, you will find that there's very few things that you can even commit. You won't go out and steal anything if you're content with what you got. You won't go out and be immoral. You're so grateful for how your life is right now. I don't need to step out and make things. You won't lie, kill, you can do this for your own own self. Begin to think about all the situations that are going on in your life. All the people that you know. How many people do you know that got off without being discontent? Begin to think about what did they become discontent? Don't let it happen. You go stand up with me. Father, I thank you that we can learn to be content in all the situations that we're in. We can find that contentedness. Sometimes we have lived a life that because things are going good, we can find contentedness, but when things aren't going so well, we can't seem to find it. But it's there for us to find. Help us to use every situation that comes into our life, whether we abound or whether we have need. And in those situations, find the contentedness that is there. It will thwart the enemy's plan. It will keep him from accomplishing what he wants to do. And God will take us to new levels. Thank you for it. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you stay tuned to this, you will find discontentedness has snuck in so many different ways. 
if Max has a favorite video game. Max, do you have a favorite video game? What's your favorite video game? I think I asked you before, but I don't remember. What's your favorite video game? What is it? Or, I don't even know what that is. So he's got a favorite. What would cause someone... Do they have, how many upgrades have they done on that? How many upgrades? Do they have a they have a new new and approved game every year? Not really. Most of the time, that's when my son was doing. He had to go out and get the new whatever the game was. And a game that you have that's a fa favorite of yours, a car that you have that is a favorite of yours, a pen that you have that is a favorite of yours, a wallet that is a favorite of yours, a pair of shoes that is a favorite of yours is suddenly inadequate because something else has come on the scene that is better. And suddenly what we once had is no longer good. Oh, well these shoes are no good anymore. Well, I don't like that game anymore. We've got this new one over here. The way the enemy sows discontent is to dangle something in front that you don't have. Has God really said and dangle something in front that you don't have. You just get this one thing, everything's going to fit. Don't buy into it. Don't listen. Learn how to be content. Well, I hope all of you folks can, can hang out and head up to the... Uh